Welcome back to Real Talk Christian, where we have real conversations with real people that impact our family and community. Today we have a special guest back with us in the studio, Paul Lindgren, where we're going to talk about the subject of affairs, divorces, and is the church failing? Let's go! Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian, a place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. Welcome back, everybody. Great to have you with us today. We have our special guest back with us in the studio, Paul Lindgren, to talk about affairs, divorces, and is the church failing? Paul, how are you doing today? Doing good. Awesome. I'm glad to have you back. I'm so glad you could travel all the way back from Indianapolis to be with us for a second part. A second part? <laughs> That's long, long trip. It's a long trip. <laughs> Actually, we're doing several recordings right in a row. So Paul's been was with us from the first recording. He stayed over for the second recording. Uh, so before we dive back into this um, very heavy-hearted topic... Um, that affects a lot of churches and a lot of churches don't discuss. Let's talk about the uh, the teas we're drinking now because we've foregone the coffee again today for this episode. I think today I'm drinking a spearmint and peppermint tea that's delicious again. I think it's from Gatlinburg. Um, if you haven't been to Gatlinburg, go go down to Gatlinburg and get you some tea. Uh, Paul, I think you're still drinking the, the chamomile, aren't you? Benner to Eco. Chamomile <laughs> Herbal Blend. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we always suggest that people send us in coffee or, or when we have special guests like Paul, you guys can send us tea too. We'll drink it. <laughs> we will drink it. All right, anyways, uh, let's dive back to uh, Paul. Uh, I believe we left off at a, a pretty heavy part of, the, of your testimony here of... Uh, kind of the turning point with mm-hmm. things. So uh, let's continue on. <clears throat> so we're diving right back into the deep end here. Um, <clears throat> where we kind of left off on the last podcast was, uh, you know, I'd already been through the affair and starting to reach a point uh, a few months in where the heavy, heavy weight of what we were doing um, was really starting to wear on us. And, uh, you know, there's, um, just as kind of a quick recap into the emotional state and the mental state that kind of led us into that, um, there was something I mentioned in the previous podcast about how, uh, Satan will use whatever he knows you're going to bite onto. He knows the bait to throw and it's different for every person. But, um, I mean, there were a lot of factors that, that brought it in for me, mm-hmm. past insecurities from um, a, a high school relationship that um, it's laughable now, you right. know, how invested I was into that. But, um, you know, I, I've always been a people person. I've always been a communicator, um, pretty easy to make friends, compassionate, um, and I've always found it easier to talk to women. I mean, I'm a mama's boy. Um, so, <laughs> Which is strange because you're so close with your dad. I mean, your dad's a, a wonderful guy. I love your dad. Yeah, he, he's so. I love it when he plays the accordion, too. I mean, it's just great. <laughs> yes. I've, got a, I've got a great family with a lot of, a lot of little closets of 
hidden little facts yeah. about him. It's pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> you should get to know him. Um, yeah, my, my relationship with my dad is, is great. Um, I'm a lot more like my mom. Yeah. Yes, so you are. <laughs> it's, uh, it's understandable that we communicate a little better. Right. <clears throat> but even in nursing school, there was one other guy in my nursing class. So I just, I've learned even more to talk to women a little more naturally than men. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of that played into it as well, which is why it was easier for me to talk to, you know, the other person in the affair. Right. Um, so we're at this point in, in the affair that it's starting to weigh on us. And we had both reached out to this infamous counselor that was supposed to do a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they had actually called me back and I could, I could tell the angst in their voice. Yeah. Um, you know, that they, they had already known the story from, from my, my other half. And, right. Uh, but I was, I was so, my nerves were worn so thin with having to lead this double life, have, having to, not as in like I was forced to, but I had forced myself into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the state of my, I mean, I felt like I had isolated myself where no one was around. I couldn't reach out to anybody because I was tired of lying. Right. I was just tired of lying, mm-hmm. period. I was tired of lying to myself, lying to, to you or to uh, my family. Um, there was actually a point that my family, before I, I moved out of the house and moved into the, to the apartment, my family took me in into their house. Right. Because they just thought that I was just going through a rough patch in the marriage. And mm-hmm. had they known that I was you know, in, involved in an affair, they wouldn't have done that. But they caught flack from other family members, like they shouldn't be doing that. And, um, you know, anyone that, that is touched by an affair or touched by a situation where there is a sin that is just, um, whether you know what the sin is or not, but that there's an ugly situation in someone's life that you care about, you got to be real gentle with how you handle that. We are always called to show love, right? Always. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are other things that we're also called to do, but um, you know, if, if you're getting upset with somebody because they're giving love above where you think they should, that's up, that's between them and God. Um, you know, it's, uh, but it, it, that just gets to be a hairy, a hairy situation. Right. Um, so I never ended up actually connecting with the therapist because I, I didn't feel like I was going to get an isolated conversation that wouldn't bleed back through to my ex-wife. Right. Uh, and I, I wasn't ready for this to come out yet. I still was under this plan of I'm going to make this work, and um, you know that's that's all I have left. That's the only device that I have. And um, <clears throat> we we start to see that um, we are almost crumbling under the pressure, and people are starting to get a lot more suspicious, mm-hmm. and the relationship just gets tumultuous. And it came down to a day. Uh, August 10th, hmm. 2013, that we had decided we just need to come out with this. We yeah. can't hide it anymore. There's no point in hiding it anymore. So we did. Hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily under the pretense that it was going to be we're coming out and just going back to our spouses. Right. It's that we're coming out and we're going to be together. Just be together right. or figure out what's going to happen. Yeah. I remember that day. I, think, I believe it was a Saturday. <laughs> do. I remember that day too. <laughs> uh, and there is, there was, there was nothing more freeing 
than letting that off off of my chest. Mm-hmm. But as quick as that came out, it's if you've ever taken a cup or a bowl or something and pulled it like into a swimming pool or underwater, right? And you can feel the air exchange as mm-hmm. it goes above the surface, and water immediately fills in. Right. That's what it felt like with releasing this secret, but then the everything weight of everything crushing. else coming right back into me. So let me ask a question real fast. Um, so you guys came out, um, and I'll keep my opinion back for now because I was pretty closely involved in the situation. But um, in your mind, what was the response of believers, family, um, when you came out? And what were the good things and the bad things of their responses? Before I dive into that, um, I guess I should probably tell you kind of the way that we came out because Mm -hmm. that plays a big part into it. So I had my own apartment. Right. Um, I, we had just started calling everybody. There was, we knew that there was going to be a lot of hostility, especially because it wasn't, it wasn't like this known fact that we were just going to go back. I think that we were both waiting to see what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we both probably knew the option was on the table, but we just didn't know because there was so much hostility going into this thing. Mm-hmm. So we had, st- I started calling my family. She, uh, well, I, I first started, I called my ex-wife. Right. She called her, her husband still. Well, my ex-wife now, because I'm, I'm divorced, right. but uh, at the time, you know, we we're married, called her and, um, the response was almost not a shock. It wasn't like it was really a shock, you know, with my ex-wife. Um, but it was, it was just almost a pleading, just, you know, come to your senses here. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I knew this. I sensed a lot of hostility from my ex. Mm-hmm. When I talked to her, there was a lot of hostility. And that's understandable. Right. It's understandable, but what it told me in that moment was that I'm not welcome back. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I can come back. I will be smothered in whatever this emotion is coming from. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, well, there's my answer. Do you think it was um, you felt that because she was shocked and that's just how she responded? With it, or was it something? How did you? I, I, I guess I'm trying to get both perspectives here, um, as you who were in the affair telling your spouse. I want to see both. Try to see both sides of it and have the listeners hear both sides of it. Sure. Um, from from your point of view, um, as somebody who was on your side of the affair, you said that you didn't feel welcome back. Do you think that was just because of the shock factor at the moment of telling you, or do you think she? kind of saw the writing on the wall beforehand. I think it was a mix of all of it. Um, You got to keep in mind that we were married so young. Mm -hmm. We were together so young. Um, Even in a relatively healthy marriage that we had, she had started expressing things like, I never experienced what it was like to really be single and not on my own. Mm. And not in like a way like, she was trying to tell me, I don't want to be with you anymore. But in a way of like, that was a serious regret that she had. Right. So I know the thought was already kind of there. Um, on top of it, her family dynamic, she was used to. I, I mentioned in, a, in the previous podcast that my first time eating dinner with them, 
they were sque- screaming, swinging of fists that never landed. <laughs> right. Never landed. But this was just a typical night for them at the dinner table. Right. And I saw a lot more of that. Uh, she had a close family member that was battling alcoholism actively mm-hmm. right. and had been for years. So my ex-wife had a lot of, the way that she dealt with emotions, she was a hard, 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 hard person. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a tomboy almost. And she took everything in and she never let it out. Well, and her family background was she had very dysfunctional parents. So she kind of became the mom to her little brother. So she's already been dealing with those types of right. feelings and holding in these emotions. And cause she had to be the mom and the relationship with her family and her brother. So she had to be the, the sister, the, the wife, right. the husband, the mom, she had to be everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what she had going into it. And I saw that and it, I couldn't relate to it because my, uh, my upbringing was so great, right. but that's what she had. And so her ability to cope with hard situations, she only knew one way. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was that. I think it was um, the shock that everything kind of is coming to a head. And it wasn't just that conversation. I mean, it was subsequent conversations after mm-hmm. I came out that this hostility was just, just, I mean, I don't want to go into the details of what it was, but it was almost... It was almost like what you would see of someone hazing someone. Mm. Uh, all of the hostility came at me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't as in a way to say, hey, you know, I'm done with you. It was it was just for the sake of just getting it out. Right. But it, and even though it's merited, like mm-hmm. I get it. I completely get that. I think everyone would. It's still at that moment when I'm not in a great spiritual state. I'm worn thin from the life that I have chosen over the last four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just told me I'm not welcome back. So this is my life now. And uh, family member responses, friends. Um, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, friends of friends that were acquaintances to me. Right. The chain of how people knew me. I was involved in several churches worship leading, right. several decotechs. It's and like a wildfire that spread. I knew hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. I was getting texts and emails and messages from people within minutes Hmm. of people that I hadn't talked to in years. And it was just out there. Uh, And my family, some of my family um, were kind of hostile. Some of them were overly understanding. And I think that was just their response. Like, I want to show grace, but it probably wasn't even the right amount the right response even at that point right. made me feel better because right. I felt like, Hey, at Somebody least I'm not alone it. in the world. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. But I had a family member that just kind of yelled and then hung up and the call and, you know, um, and, and again, I understand all these responses from my perspective at the time, which is what we're dissecting is, is just, um, I, I felt kind of like I was just still alone. Yeah. You know, um, her response, my mistress, her husband's response was very gracious, hmm. very gracious. Still wanted to make it work. Calm. I heard the conversation. It's hmm. very calm. Showed some maturity in in the spiritual aspect of things. A maturity that I wouldn't have been right. able to show had it been moment. you. <laughs> had it had it been me. Right. And um, which I think most men would feel. I mean, I know I certainly feel that way of Janiel. And I know 
I know I trust Janelle. I would never say she would do this, but if for some reason she would have, sure, I I don't think I could handle it in the way that th- this guy because I was with him, <clears throat> um, that that night that things were kind of out and very calm, just very heavy hearted, sad. Um, but he was he was still wanting to make it work. Right. There's. Uh... There was something to be said about that that'll mm-hmm. come into play later in the right. conversation. Uh, so the my the other half of this affair, she was she was a little more um I don't want to say blase. I don't want to make it seem like there was no conviction, but she was just a, a lot more okay with the idea of just making this work. It it felt like um you know, she was she was wanted back, but that she didn't necessarily, uh, you know, she wasn't ready for the, all that responsibility and weight of, I mean, we, we were not thinking rationally. Right. We just thought that this was where we've belonged for the last four months. Mm-hmm. This is where we belong now because the rest of the world is showing hostility for the most part. Right. Understandably so. Mm-hmm. So we had stayed there um, throughout that, that night, and it's just starting to really, really, really weigh on me. Um, I felt I felt cornered by myself. I felt cornered and trapped mm-hmm. into keeping this, but I knew it wasn't going to work. Right. And and I think that she started to see as the day went on, she was losing me. Mm-hmm. Um I got a I got a call from a couple of guys that are in my band. And they said, "We want to meet with you." And at this point I I mean I'm not meeting with anybody. Right. I'm not. You're not taking for, phone calls. You're not. I, doing I literally had a family member show up to the door of my apartment that no one was supposed to know where it was at. Right. And was banging on it and saying, you know, kind of how could you, kind of right. a shame type thing. Um, I think to hopefully get us to come out. Uh, and it didn't make us come out because again we were at a point that we just we weren't ready to face people that we felt right. You know, were, it seemed easier to continue with each other than try to fix path of least resistance right right Na- natural human progression right, right and and all of these responses if it sounds in any way that i'm upset with any of these responses i'm just trying to show the perspective of where at you that were at, at that moment right. where i was in because i understand all of these now right um but <clears throat> i get a phone call from some couple guys in the band they want to talk with me and i said absolutely not they convinced me took several minutes but mm-hmm. it convinced me so we met at church down the road that I was doing right. Sunday morning yep. worship at, and it was just those two. And they were face wet with tears, mm. just begging me, don't do this. Don't do this. Come back. Don't leave right now. Don't even go back to the apartment, which right. the other half of the person in the affair was still waiting there. Right. I can't just, I can't just not go back. Like right. my, my stuff is, my uh, my stuff is there, and uh, she's there, and um, I've got so much. I've got so much that's um, uh, that, that I would have to wrap up, you know, to to make a decision like that. Uh, but they had already gotten in, and uh, one of the guys had told me something. He said, "I'm going to go home. I am going to pray the whole night long until I can't." Until I get a response, I'm not going to go to sleep. Nothing. And I said, "Look, guys, I can we just you know take this up from the morning? I'm going to go back. Don't go back to the apartment. I'm right. begging you. I'm begging you." And uh, they gave me 
huge, huge, huge hugs. Hmm. And I was starting to melt. The hardness was melting. I feel it right now as I'm talking about it. God was really starting to do a work. God was was starting to I was I was starting to let God in. I mm-hmm. was starting to let people in. And that to me, although they were passionate and talking to me and begging me, I felt grace. Hmm. I felt like I was getting grace. Right. And I went back and it was like I was just in a trance. And for the sake of just not knowing which direction, I felt like I was, instead of just committed to this road of destruction, I felt like I was finally at a fork and I could make a decision. But the other half wasn't quite where I was at. They hadn't gone through what I just went through. Right. So the night went on. The next morning, I wake up, still in the part, we're still in the apartment, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just even more numb. Hmm. So... As the day went on, uh, I just started to resolve that I don't want this anymore. I don't Mm. want this life anymore. I have been shown grace. I feel like there is hope. If I go back, there's hope. I don't know what my life will look like. I don't know if my ex will take me back. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's better than what I have right now. So would you say that... um God broke through or people broke through? Do you think it was just um, the two members from your band? Uh, or do you think it was prayer, serious prayer from all the saints? Uh, I, what What do you think? How do you think God broke down that, that wall that you had around your heart and really started melting your heart, showing you grace? Because, there, you know, you had, you said you had phone calls, emails. I know I had texted you, um, but it was these two guys that you met with that God really broke through with. Um, what do you think it was just those two guys or do you think it was prayer and then God speaking through those guys, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, there's a scripture that I have and it's some, I think we'll, we'll probably come to it later. Um, <clears throat> is it my favorite scripture? Galatians six, one, <laughs> It's not, but that one that one applies too. Um, it's a scripture that talks about how you restore someone mm-hmm. back into the church. And John Piper actually did a commentary on it. Desiring he, God. <laughs> Desiring God. We, right. we mentioned John Piper just about every episode. He's a wise man. He's a wise man. He gave an analogy of, of God using the body of, of, of Christ... Mm-hmm to restore people, to show the grace, to mm-hmm. get things, to act. And he, this analogy was, God wants to cut down a tree, mm-hmm. and we are the axe, the people, and God is the lumberjack. Mm-hmm. And God uses the axe to cut down the tree. That's, that's the tool that he's using. But it's God that was doing it. But it's God thing. doing it. Right. And <clears throat> it was, of course, the people, um, you know, that... It's it's the people that are going through it, but we are nothing. We are vessels. Mm, right. So the decisions that the believers made, the wisdom that they imparted was was what got through to me. Hmm. But God had God had never stopped talking to me through the affair. Right. Never stopped talking to me. It was just me choosing to either hear it or not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that voice was muffled. Right. I mean I, I think that's that's what happens, you know. I wasn't completely given away to my sin. God was always hanging on, but I was close. 
So if if um, if we have a listener that's listening to this podcast right now that may be involved in an affair deep into it right now, um, what would your advice be being from this standpoint, those emotions that you have? Because obviously you've gone through this. You can have not only sympathy but empathy um, for that situation. What would be your advice um, for a Christian going through this? From the perspective of the one be, that's from committing the affair, and they're listening to this. If they're <clears> listening <throat> to this, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, we I, have, I, I we pray, have a lot of listeners. I pray that you're listening to this or or something. Um, what I would say is, it's never too late. Hmm. There is there is no justification to continue in this sin. Your right. soul is at stake. Mm-hmm. Your soul is at stake. You may have the hardest road ahead of you, one that doesn't end until the moment that you close your eyes eternally. Mm-hmm. But it is not worth what you are going to do. The pain that not only you are going to experience, but the pain that you are going to put the loved ones around you that have been there your whole life, right? your family, your friends, what the, the example that you're putting out i mean i'm sure if you if you were once a believer and you are a believer and you're in this you you have people that are looking to you saying this is a person that believes in god at the very least if you have any respect for god and for the faith example that is set before you to carry out you are destroying that hmm. and it's this is not a shame message to you this is a plead of someone who has been through it. I had all of my eggs in the basket of running off with this person and making a life. Mm-hmm. All of them. There was there was no option. I, I had no other option. Right. I made no other option. There is always an option, and there is hope. Mm-hmm. I have uh, such a story of redemption that we're going to get into what God has done to restore me. But just run. Yeah. It, lock yourself away. If if that if that means never returning to the leaving right now and shutting the door and never walk, coming back, become a Joseph basically. Well, run, run. yeah, run with <laughs> with the robe still in hand. Right, just just leave. Yeah. Just leave. It is it is not worth it. And you you are still loved. If if by no one else, by God. Right. And He will find you. Right. He he's he's right there waiting. So let's. Uh, what would your advice be to? Um, the other side of this now of the person who may have been cheated on and the friends that, you know, this person has cheated and now it's affecting them, friends, family, what would be your advice for them of how to deal with this as somebody who's gone through it? What would have best helped you during that time? Uh, I know that, that it's hard. Um, I, I know that this is hard. I know that it's hard to show love, to show grace, to show understanding. Um, I, you need to express your hurt. But if you make them feel unwelcome back into at least a community, if not your arms, into a community, it will push them away. And I, true, I understand that that's the last thing that many people would feel that they even deserve mm-hmm. is any grace in that moment. Right. Uh, but... There is, we are, we are always called to do hard things. We are called to rebuke and love. Right. 
Has anyone ever tried to rebuke in love? <laughs> I don't think we can understand that. I have. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. I have been rebuked, and I could see that it was attempted in love. It, it's hard to translate. Just because it's hard doesn't mean we don't do it. Right. So just get them back into your arms, into your community, and God will help you through the rest of it. But show love, show grace as much as you can. Yeah, I want to. Um, I alluded to the Galatians six one scripture earlier, and I want to just kind of follow up what you said with that, where it says, uh, "Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such such a one in spirit of gentleness, of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you will, too will not be tempted." That scripture ever um, since your affair. Um, I know me personally, I was angry at first when I first heard. That was my first initial reaction. Was, How could he have done this? Especially to the to your ex-wife, um, who I, I loved and adored you guys. You guys were my you were my closer than a brother, and she was my sister, and uh, it was hard for me. Um, and I didn't understand this scripture at the time. Um, it wasn't until um, months later... <laughs> which we're about to get into of um, you coming back to your, your previous marriage uh, that God showed me the scripture and that kind of took place in my heart. God had to rebuke me for how I dealt with the situation of the affair to where I had dealt with it months later. Right. Um, so speaking of that, let's, so, so we've gone into, um, you had this conversation with band members your heart was melted. You woke up the next morning. You went home, back to your apartment, kind of in a trance. Woke up the next morning. Uh, let's pick up from from there. So, uh, by that night, this was now a Sunday night, August eleventh, and I was I was ready. I was ready to just end it, mm-hmm. and I had such a peace over me, a peace that really passes understanding. As we had, there's a psychological effect that can happen when you immerse yourself into something for so long with, with the intent of filling holes that were not meant to be filled by that. You latch onto it. You, you grow a dependence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's no different than someone who is addicted to alcohol or cigarettes or drugs or, um, or sex or anything. Right. You attach an identity with it. And when that was, that was our whole world. We didn't have family or friends or anyone that was involved with us anymore. Not that they weren't there to talk to us, but not directly involved with us. We were it. We had grown so attached that there was a, there was a dependence. We couldn't go several minutes without communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I had a piece about just cutting this off was more than my brain could even comprehend at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in the apartment saying we we got to go back right and they were just devastated they weren't they weren't at the point that i that i was at the conversation brought them there Mm -hmm. and it's not to say that i i was more uh more in in a healthier spiritual state than they were at that point or that they weren't ready to come back um to their life uh that's not to say that at all it's just god had to reach one of us right and he did Mm -hmm. it happened to be me um, and that is laying down all of my pride because none of us were worthy to 
have any kind of grace in that moment. Right. So I had convinced them to to leave mm -hmm. and help them pack, and they they left. And immediately when they left, I called my ex-wife and said, "I'm I'm done, and I'm ready to come back." And so thankfully they were willing. Right. But for the moment, we had decided it would be better for me to stay in the in the apartment that night. Not so much as it might have even been the second I hung up, I got a call from the other person from the affair saying that they were driving to their house, but that the other person had made up their mind he didn't want to take her back, hmm. which laid a sense that that was Satan at work, right? not through him, because that's a decision that they had to make, but that I was contacted to, I don't know what to do now. A temptation to go back to it. I had felt responsible for what I had just put her through, right. you know, even though that was not my wife, that was someone who I felt responsible for in that quote unquote, I'm doing quotations relationship right. because it was a relationship. It was just a relationship outside of marriage. Right. So I felt like, well, they're going to be homeless tonight. They have no one that will take them in. They have to come back here. And so I said, well, I, I think you, you probably just need to come back then. And it was starting to try to pull, pull me back, back in. Damn. So I called my ex-wife again, and I said, this is what's going on, and I think I need to do this. And she said, no, you don't. You don't need to. And that was enough to kind of break me loose, and I said, I, said, I can't. I, I, I called right. the, you know, the, the mistress. mistress back, and, right. and I said, I, I can't. And so they, they ended up going home, and um, I... I stayed in the apartment that night, and I wasn't suicidal, mm -hmm. but every everything came crashing down. I was laying into my bed, and I, I, I'm a gun, I don't know, connoisseur, but I, I have guns. I right. like to shoot, you right. know, hunt and things. And I had my guns in my apartment because I didn't have anywhere else to put them. Mm -hmm. And I remember holding my shotgun as I weeped so that I wouldn't see it and be tempted. Right. Uh, and I just hugged my shotgun. It sounds ridiculous, but I hugged it and I bawled and I just, I prayed that I just would fall asleep and not wake up. Hmm. I didn't want to kill myself. I right. didn't want to act, actually do it. I just didn't want to wake up. Right. I didn't want to live anymore. So, uh, the next day I pulled myself from the pile that I was and went to work like a normal day hmm. and I was just an emotional wreck and I I didn't know what to do I still felt responsible like I had no idea what was happening with the mistress if I had just ruined their life and they had nowhere to go I don't I wasn't in communication anymore right and I didn't know if it was still safe for me to come back home yet so I called my mom who I could always call. Right. And I said, Mom, this is what's going on, and I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And she said, Paul, go home. Just go home. Go home. So I did. I called my ex up, and I said, I'm ready to come back. Uh, and I said it just in tears, and I was at work at my desk. And she was at my sister-in-law's. Um, I said, I'm on my way. So I just texted or called my boss and said, 
I'm I'm leaving severe emergency I, I'm leaving and I just went and I was welcomed with open arms it was like the prodigal returning home mm-hmm. but that's when my mindset became so fragile not even past fragile that's when I started to break I felt like I was finally shed of this terrible weight and it was too much for my body to even handle. And I laid curled up on my sister-in-law's sofa while my ex-wife is there and and uh, and she's there and just bawling, 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 bawling. I think it was me catching up. I think it was my, everything in me catching up with the devastation. And I... I remember them saying, is there someone that you want us to call? And I mentioned a pastor, and they called me, and I was able to kind of pick myself up a little bit. Um, I needed to just, I think, I think my ex-wife and I needed a little bit of separation just to kind of regroup. Mm-hmm. So my band came and picked me up, and we went out to eat. And what I was starting to feel was the same thing that an alcoholic feels without their alcohol. Withdrawals. Withdrawals. And it sounds terrible, and could you imagine being the people that have finally got you back and seeing you physically withdrawal from this drug that has hurt you. Mm. You're angry at this drug. So my mind and my body were just frantic trying to get a way to have peace. And I couldn't because I, uh, there was the worry there of course, still about what's my life going to look like, but it was, I, all I've ever known in the last four months is just communicating with this person and being with this person, and now I don't know what to do. So they eventually dropped me off back home, uh, the band, and I'm stable but fragile. Right. And it was dark, and it was, it was my house. My ex-wife was there, and it was my house. And we go back to the bedroom. Didn't know if I should sleep on the couch. Right. On the bed. And... I remember having a conversation about she was asking why I was so distraught. And it was everything. It was not just withdrawals. It was everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't. I was at a spiritual crisis. You lost your identity. I had lost my identity. I didn't know if my, I mean, with the hostility that I'm still remembering, I didn't know if my ex even wanted me back. She. It wasn't like she was there. Um, you know, just hand and foot, like, you know, let's, let's, let's talk, let's, right. let's get back to us. And it wasn't well, like, like interrogation. That. It was, it was still just angst. It was just a lot of emotions. And I could tell that there was a lot of anger that she needed to deal with, but we weren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And I remember that she said, it was something like, if, if you are feeling this way still about her, I don't think that I can be with you anymore. Hmm. It was something like that, and that sent my mind into a tailspin, and I could feel not a peace, but like my body just lost control of itself. Hmm. And now I've I've it's been I've it's taken me years with counselors, and I'm I'm heavily involved in therapy, still, and it's great, and it's not like I'm a loony bin or anything just dealing with a lot of the heavy things I've dealt with right. to actually find out what actually happened. 
Um, and it's, it was a disassociative event that the stress of the situation that I was going through in my mind was too much to handle. Hmm. And, uh, I kind of broke and I don't remember a lot. I know that there were, there were friends that I'd recognized as I was kind of waking up through things. Um, the band and Mm -hmm. one of the guy's fathers that was a pastor and they were in the living room helping me kind of come back into uh, reality or what, what, whatever you'd call it. And, uh, I just broke my mind broke, Mm -hmm. my body broke everything. Um, and that began the journey of recovering and finding a path of health back into my own self spiritually, into the marriage, and us trying to rebuild the marriage again. Right. Um, which, which became a, um, a hard struggle for us because we, we had just lost everything. We had lost our church. We had lost the men and women's groups. Mm-hmm. We had lost um, our whole schedule. Everything that we had known in our life was was now flipped upside down, and I knew that I had this path ahead of me. But when you're considering things in in your sin, you don't think about if I'm back in this marriage, my wife is now going to have to walk through those same steps with me. Right. So the sacrifice that she had made to take me back was my life is now completely changed too. Hmm. So we set onto the path of trying to find a church, trying to find everything, right. you know, trying to rebuild our lives. Hmm. Uh, and it, it became um, it became a lot for her. Um, we eventually found our way there. Right. You, I actually, you and Janiel were attending a church. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you and I had kind of fallen out of touch there for a few months. Um, I think because you and your ex-wife needed that time to really just be with each other and rebuild things. Um, I, I think I had contacted you. You're like, I just. I need time. Yeah, yeah. That's so, that, that's exactly what had happened. We had, um, we needed to focus on each other because mm-hmm. we hadn't done that, and that's what led up to, you know, the problems. But, um, it, we knew we needed it, but it was hard to go through mm-hmm. because we sometimes you just needed a break. You know, you spend two, three days in a house with somebody that just went through both of you <laughs> went through what you did. Right. You need a break. Space. <laughs> but there was also friends and family that were cautious. They didn't. They weren't sure, uh, maybe about their feelings towards me, right? Or their feelings about the situation, or to overstep their bounds, and so everyone was just on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody had really dealt with this type of situation before, so we didn't really know how to act, right? So, uh, to just fast forward a bit through this, we eventually found a new church. Um, we had kind of found a new life, and and it, yes, it was a hard road, but we got to a healthy point in our marriage um, that. You always remember what happened, but it, was, it wasn't a daily reminder anymore. Right. You, there was joy. There was laughter. We'd hang out with my brother and his wife and laugh or my family. and la- I mean, we, we, would just, we were just back on a good track. Yeah, I mean, we even started going to baseball games together. Uh, I, I, that's the first time you guys met with Janiel. We went to, uh, I guess it was the Silverhawks then. Mm-hmm. We went to the Silverhawks game, yep. the very last season that they were here in South Bend. I remember that. I took, the, took the motorcycle. and yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the first time you guys met her few months after we were, well, it was April, so we started dating in January. It was very soon. So it was very soon, and then I was, you know, six months or so after the affair, so, but yeah, I mean, we were able to start, start getting. That was, that was a, a, having you back into my life again, and I remember we met at a, a Martin's 
in a cafe for the first time, for the yeah. first time in that's in our spot. We months. Always, we always go to Martin's, <laughs> and we just kind of reconnected and rekindled and just kind of talked. And there wasn't, I mean, I, I, I remember talking to you and just saying, look, man, I'm sorry. And, um, just kind of going through the, the repentance of where I was at in my mm-hmm. relationship and, and the toll it must've taken on you. But it, I didn't feel like there was any catching up. Like we were just, we just had each other again. It's, it's like that every time we get together, yeah. <laughs> it can go months. We've, we've gone six months. Since we well, we, let's see. When did we go camping this this year? Was it July, June or July? Yeah. So we're at the almost in November now, and it's yeah. like we never yeah. left. <laughs> and and uh, that's just that's the close bond that Chris and I have. Right. But uh, but the ex wife and I had had um, had reached a point where we we felt good. We wanted a new fresh start. So the house that we had when we first got married, we sold, mm-hmm. and we had this new one across the street from my sister and. It was bigger. It was uh, in a. It, everything was just a fresh start, right? Um, and and we, um, you know, we always had. Uh, Any time that we had an argument, or, a, or everybody has their own thing that kind of triggers them as a couple, right? Whenever I would work on a project, she would try to help out, or you know, and it, it would just we would never get along. So right. it was better if she was out of the house. So that's why I came and helped you. <laughs> I had a fixer up her house. Um, and I, and the plan was, I'm going to work on this house when I come home in the evenings and then to help pay for the repairs, she wanted to get an extra job at, at a local home improvement store. Mm -hmm. And that way we'd be out of each other's hair and help pay for the things. And it would also give us a little bit of time away, you know, and we would come back and connect again. So that's kind of what the plan was. Um, but it was that point in our lives that things started to take a turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's going to be the end of this podcast. So, uh, Paul, thanks for joining us again. We'll we'll have you back for a part three, it seems, because we're just chatty Cathy's over here. <laughs> so, um, but before I go, or before we go, uh, I got to do Mark's fun facts with Fuller. So today's fun fact comes from BestLifeOnline.com. It says Dolly Parton lost a lookalike contest. Dolly Parton once entered a celebrity lookalike contest without revealing her true identity at a club in San Francisco. She lost it to a drag queen. If you're going to lose, that's a bad way to lose. (laughs) Anyways, Paul, thanks for being here with us again. Um, Looking forward to our next conversation. Um, Hope everybody has a, a good day, and thanks for listening. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Real Talk Christian. To help get our podcast into the ears of other people who need to hear these conversations, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. To keep the conversations going, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our content with others. See you next time.